Hey everyone, it's Ashley. I just want to give a spoiler warning before we get into this episode of the Well Read Dames podcast, where we're talking about Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Um, we kind of jump into it, and like the book, we don't really cover it in a linear fashion at all. Um, but so I hope you guys enjoy it, but this has been your spoiler warning. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Well Read Dames podcast, everyone. Hello. Hi. This is our first episode of 2020. Woo woo. Yay. Oh my gosh, it is. Coming to you live. Super weird. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Except also to be very clear, we're not live at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, It no. will be days until this is available. <laughs> <laughs> but we are here to talk about Kurt Vonnegut's book, Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, which is crazy. It's a crazy journey. Yes, it um, is. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I just said yes, it is. It was really good. It's wild. Uh, also, Susie and I read it back in like November of 2019. Yeah. And we did not have a chance to reread it. And Alicia finished it today. I did. <laughs> I started it and then stopped it when our other book club got rescheduled. And was like, I'll just wait till we have another date to finish it out. So, yeah. It's a short read. It is. Mm-hmm. A, it's a very short read. It's a very quick read. And um, it's very, like, very good, uh, but we're going to have to cover this book in a different kind of format. Yeah, definitely. But, than we normally do, because there's not really... It's not linear. It's not mm-hmm. linear, and there's not really a plot, so to speak, to follow. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's very, very good. So, but before we kind of deep dive into Vonnegut's masterpiece, uh, we are going to do some housekeeping items. Uh, one being our next book read. Uh, which we were just discussing before we started recording. Um, And I think that's going to be Crescent City, uh, I believe House of Fire and Blood, which is the new Sarah J. Moss book, which is coming out on March 3rd. So excited. What? (laughs) And and Susie didn't know. We just discussed it because if... um, we, if you've not listened, we did all of the A Court of Thorns and Roses last year, like around this time, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. It was so good. It was so good. And I'm probably gonna reread it again. I've been getting like, yeah, just to like digress a little bit. Our, my mother's having surgery again on Friday. Yeah. It's not as serious <laughs> as last time, uh, but she it's on her eyes this time, so she'll essentially be blind for a whole day for 24 hours. So Friday, I have quote unquote off work. So that I can three blind mice it with my mom and try and not have her fall again. Because Aww. last time I was in charge of her by myself and she's struggling to get around. She broke her wrist and we had to go to the ER and she had to have more surgeries. So I'm kind of like nervous uh, that she's going to die. And so. <laughs> and I, of course, um, I'm working. Yes, yeah, so Alicia's working. And so she was not there to help me. So which is cool. Um, we're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But like my anxiety is kicking in and like the Accord of Thorns and Roses series really got me through <laughs> taking shit. care of her for like two straight months last year. <laughs> um, and I literally at one point slept with a, a quart of mist and fury. Like I just fell asleep with it in bed and I think I woke up like cuddling it. It was like, <laughs> it was like my safety blanket. I was like, these books are the only thing good in my life. <laughs> it, it really was, <laughs> it was something tragic. we desperately needed to kind of get tragic. through whenever I think about Friday coming up and like my mom and her not being able to see and having to like navigate her around and have her not get hurt um which we're gonna do a trial run tomorrow after work yay so much fun but anyway but I get like this weird like panic desire to like read A Court of Thorns and Roses and I'm like it's like my safety blanket like I need to read it again anyway so um but what Susie didn't know we just covered is that that is a YA series yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> There's lots of sex. There's so, so much, much sex. sex. There's a lot of sex. It's I great. didn't think that you would have that much sex in a YA series. But I, it never crossed can't. my mind that it was a YA series. Yeah. Doesn't, Not once. Doesn't read that way. Doesn't mm-hmm. feel that way. Um, Sucked you in like Twilight did, but it wasn't like twilight where the sex scenes were not at all anywhere it was way bad. better and it was oh, absolutely better even have like these chaste characters yeah like twilight is all about her getting married before she loses her virginity basically yeah and like so much of ya is about like that you know no like when we meet Feyre, she's already sleeping with some dude in a bar and like this, this is not that story but it is <laughs> it, and it's fantastic yes. uh, but it is a ya story so uh, how um 
Crescent City, House of Fire and Blood, or Earth and Blood. I don't really remember. But the point is, it comes out March 3rd, and it's an adult series. Boom. And I don't even think it's a new adult. I think it's just, like, this is for grown-ups. Yeah. Yep. So everyone's very excited for this book. (laughs) (laughs) It's been great. So I have it pre-ordered. It should be delivered on the 3rd. Same. So we're going to read it in March and hopefully love it. And then we will do a podcast about it. It's going to be great. Um, and we have some other books kind of on the burner, too, as well, to fire up. Uh, probably we were talking about the All the Boys I've Loved Before mm-hmm. books, which is not called that. It's not the series it's called. But they made Netflix movies that everyone's watched, and now I want to watch them. I know. Same. They look good. They look cute. I was like, let's read this book series beforehand. And I don't think there's going to be, like, a lot of sex in it, so. No. Maybe it'll be a good, like... <laughs> Palette cleanser. Palette cleanser after Crescent City. (laughs) Bring us back down a little bit. (laughs) Just reset those expectations. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah. So that's basically it. Anything else that we should talk about? It's been a minute. It's been, like, Hmm. since before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Not that I can really think of. I mean... No, nope. (laughs) We have nothing going on. (laughs) Except for the upcoming trauma. (laughs) <laughs> that True. we just covered yes so but that's mostly on me so it'll be good um Maybe me. We'll see. so yeah so that's basically what we got going on so we're going to talk about slaughterhouse five yes also known as the children's crusade also known as the children's crusade which i didn't know that the copy of the book that we all had did not have that written on it at all mm-hmm. um but we i think just read about it today in an article mm-hmm. so yeah, it's from the original copy. And it, he mentions it in the first chapter, too. It's like, it's a big thing that I listen. So I listened to it on Audible mm-hmm. a bit. I read, read it. But when I re-listened it to Audible today, in the first chapter, it comes up a lot. Yeah. That's the one theme I want to talk about because it's the thing I remember. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> well, do you want to start there? Or should we sure. kind of start with something else? No, go ahead. You're well, fired up. We can start it. there. You're fired up. Um, well, because I just did it and I did make copious notes on my cell phone, Ooh, as you can see, oh my gosh. which I never do. So first off, this doesn't fully have to do with this, but I was talking to Alicia earlier and I kind of like this. I, I heard it on another podcast because I was listening to other podcasters talk about this book mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was cheating um but they were fans of Vonnegut and they said that in all of his books he has prologues and they're really important and people weren't reading them so he made it chapter one so that's why chapter one is him talk. it's a prologue yeah <laughs> but he made it chapter one because he's like you need to read it because that's part of the book so anyway, I like that part. And that's when we hear the Children's Crusade thing for the first time when he's visiting his old war buddy. They weren't even friends. No, they're Sorry. just survivors. I think they just knew each other. It was my phone. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what fell down? <laughs> it was my notes. I was just like, it wasn't your wine. And she was... <laughs> She was pissed as hell at him, and he didn't know why. Mm -hmm. And she's, like, stomping around, huffing all over the place. And then she comes in, and she just yells at him that, you were babies. And he's like, what? Why are you mad at me? (laughs) And it's this whole thing about how you were – literally, you were all, like, 18-year-old kids Mm -hmm. in war, and you're going to glorify that, and you're going to make it look like war is fun and happy, and my babies that are sleeping upstairs are going to have to go fight – next because you're going to glorify war and it's a cycle and he was like i agree with you (laughs) i'm gonna if i ever actually make this book i'll call it the children's crusade which is why he did that um and then throughout the first and second and third chapter which was all i got to the second time around (laughs) there were several points that i thought paralleled really great with this point so for instance remember when they are about to be captured Mm -hmm. and it's the three musketeers do you remember there's Mm -hmm. like the two yeah uh, macho men Mm -hmm. that are like typical war heroes and Mm -hmm. then the one jackass guy yeah (laughs) and then billy and the jackass guy makes up this story in his head about how they're the three musketeers and they're saviors and literally he goes through a hollywood movie in his head of war so they somehow got lost behind enemy lines. There's two, I think, rangers. And what did we say that guy's name was? Um, Wimmer? You had Weimer? Ronald Weary. Weary. 
and Paul Lazaro. Okay. He wasn't in, he wasn't the Three Musketeer though, actually. Yeah. So the, at this point, it's JK. Wiley. Gosh, I keep forgetting it. He's he, we hate Roland him. Weary. Mm-hmm. I hate him. He's annoying. Yeah, he's an asshole. But he's an eighteen year old kid. Mm-hmm. There again. Mm-hmm. So he like makes up this story in his head of the Three Musketeers and they're like heroes and like he even goes as far as to like they get awarded medals and stuff. So it's like a very typical war hero movie trope. And then when they describe the two scouts, they're also described as very war Mm hero-like. And then like two minutes later, they are murdered brutally and die because that's, I mean, it's it's like a footnote. He's like, I hear two shots and in the distance, the two scouts lay dead and their blood pools in the ice. You know, it's like not even a big deal. She's like, oh. So it yeah, goes. They're gone. So it goes. Absolutely. He says that every time. <laughs> and then there was another story with, what did I say? Wild Bob, I yes. think. <laughs> so this poor guy. And here again, we're laughing. And this guy's dying. Yeah. He's dying. And he thinks he's giving this big speech to his men, his platoon of men, about you fought bravely. And all these Germans are, their bodies are littering the fields because of you, brave men. And literally no one gave a shit. Like, there was one of his men left. Everyone else was dead. And the one man was, the one guy was weary. Yep. And he was like, I don't care. And then he died. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I, I like that they keep, he kept showing us things that should have been cinematic, mm-hmm. but showing us the reality of it, yeah. which I think is the big takeaway I took from this book. And he kept always saying, if you're ever in Wyoming... Yeah. Tell me no wild bob. Yeah. Ask yeah. for wild bob. Wild you bob. know, we'll have a barbecue and all and, this stuff. This poor guy. And then there again, it was so anticlimactic because just in like, I don't know, on the next page, they, like they pulled a dead body out of that car and it was wild bob. And mm-hmm. just, there goes wild bob. And everything that should have been cinematic what was purposefully not made mm-hmm. cinematic to not glorify war. And I thought that was really cool i did too yeah i, I like that in the prologue aka chapter one yeah where we don't he doesn't come out and say this is me kurt vonnegut talking to you you know he never identifies himself yeah. as the narrator uh but it very at least loosely is him and his his take on the book and his experience when you know when the wife of his war buddy asks you know are you well, are you writing an anti-war novel mm-hmm. and he's like i guess yeah i guess i am i don't know like he hasn't he doesn't even think he's ever going to finish this book or even start this book. Yeah. So, but at that point. And so it it, it is an anti-war novel, but uh, like completely. But at the same time, like we touch on it in a, in a very interesting way. It's not hammered right. home, but right. there's like no glorification yeah. of any of the stuff that actually happens during war. And it goes the whole way through. Yeah. Like well, it's, it's not just what I said because that's just what I reread so that's what I remember but it happens again later the one time that they allow a hero to come and I don't remember his name he's the one that ends up getting shot yeah for the teapot teacher but he like rallies them and like it's great and then he ends up like dying anyway and Mm -hmm. it's like the one cinematic moment because he's like yeah he's an okay guy and then it's like well he's dead now too yeah yeah yeah, I thought it was interesting, too, because um, with a lot of anti-war books, like, sometimes people have never experienced war, but with this one, like, Kurt Vonnegut, even though it wasn't, like, specifically anti-war, it was, though, mm-hmm. like, he this, he also went through this, like, he was in Dresden and stuff, so it's, like, mm-hmm. it is, like, from his point of view, but just in a very artistic, non-linear way, like, yeah. an interesting way to, to discuss it, but not be, like don't fight in wars you know what I mean like just telling it and just showing it and doing those subtle ways like you described yeah and although war is at the heart of this book yeah it's not the thing that I liked about it no at all yeah like (laughs) not which was refreshing uh which is probably the point Mm -hmm. um but our main character after we get out of the prologue essentially or chapter one uh, which that was, it would have been nice to know that was the prologue because I was very confused because I kept <laughs> waiting for us to come back to that initial person yeah. whose voice we heard and then we never do because yeah. the rest of the actual the actual book itself, uh, we follow our main character named Billy Pilgrim, mm-hmm. which is just a fantastic name. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Billy Pilgrim is kind of the fictional character that Vonnegut uses as his vehicle to kind of 
try and make sense of, I feel like, the actual war story itself and also tell a really fascinating narrative because in 1944, I think it was, yeah, mm-hmm. in 1944, uh, Billy Pilgrim becomes unstuck in time. Mm-hmm. So he is in, um, it takes place, I believe, when he's in Dresden, mm-hmm. which is the war section of our story because there's really, there's really three main sections of our story, which... And we jump back and forth between them. The story is not told in any way in a linear fashion. Um, One of the main ideas of the story is that time happens all at once, Mm -hmm. which we'll kind of get into more. (laughs) But so because that's one of the ideas of this story, we jump back and forth between Billy's youth, between Billy's an old man, between Billy, you know, in and out of war. Mm -hmm. So we really have Billy at Dresden um, and what happens to him during that process. Mm -hmm. We have Billy after the war when he is like a married man, um, and what's the eye? An optometrist. 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 I'll say he's an eye doctor, <laughs> yeah. and he marries Valerie. No, Valencia. Or Valencia. Sorry, mm-hmm. he marries Valencia. And yeah. call her Val. And um, they have two kids, and we we kind of get a little bit of that. Normally, not a lot really of it. We just kind of like pop in during parties. I feel like yeah, Barbara yeah. and Robert. Barbara is a little bit more of the story than Robert. They're his children, to yeah. be clear. Yes, sorry. Um, and then we have my favorite part, which <laughs> is Trelfmador. Trelfmador. I, I have the like actual phonetic spelling. Uh, I found in this page, uh, but when he gets abducted by aliens and basically taken to a human zoo which is a concept (laughs) that i really enjoy yes um and so and then that's where he learns uh so much about us so yeah tralfamador we'll say that's it and the tralfadorians um so they are an alien race that like i said abducts him and from dresden (laughs) and puts him in a zoo with a celebrity that he then has a child with Montana yeah. something yeah Wild Hack Montana Wild Hack yes it's a question he's name. good with names yeah, so he is <laughs> and so he also has this whole other life where he's living in this basically alien planet existence and the Tralmadorians or Tralmadorians uh, they can see four dimensions which we can only see three and the fourth dimension is time and so since they can see the fourth dimension of time. That's how they understand that everything that's ever happened, past, future, and present, is all happening at once. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically there's no free will, theoretically, because everything's already occurred. Yeah. Um, is another thing that he kind of tries to convince people of when he gets back. Because yeah. he eventually escapes and goes back to Earth. Um, and so, but we jump throughout the story one chapter is him in Dresden. The next chapter, he's on an alien planet. The next chapter, he's an old man. The yeah. next chapter, he's at a party with his wife. You know? <laughs> well, and it's even within the chapters, too, I think. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's yeah. a little quicker. And it it starts early. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's in the first chapter. Like, we get, I don't, I don't know, page-wise. Like, yeah. maybe 10 pages into Dresden. And then he's, like, in the ditch starting to die. And then that's when he moves forward. So it's pretty quick. It's not, like, preamble. No, like, there's no explanation. No, no, none whatsoever. And I thought I would hate that. I thought I would get to the end of the book Mm -hmm. because the whole time I'm thinking, they're not going to explain this. (laughs) And I thought I was going to be pissed. And then I got to the end, I'm like, I'm glad. I'm kind of glad there wasn't. Yeah. Because then you can make it up in your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I anyway. agree because I hate when books don't have like a defined, like I can deal with a crazy book and like yeah. a weird narrative at the very end, as long as I know what I just read, like what mm-hmm. happened. Yes. And generally if I get to the end and I don't know what I just read, I'm like really mad. Uh, but no, with this book, it was like pleasant. Yes, I don't, it was. Yeah. It was like really That's a good way to put it. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really, and I think it was just cause it was really well done and Agreed. we didn't, I didn't really want to know. And mm-hmm. the end, like, yeah. certain things. Well, like, like, what happened to old man? Yeah. You yeah. know, Billy. Like, I didn't, I didn't even right. know. Or if it was real, or if he really was, like, in his head catatonic somewhere. Yeah. Or, or if you're back in a psychiatric war. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, I didn't need to know right. what was real, what wasn't, because 
Yeah, it yeah. was very well written. Like, I didn't need to know if he was actually abducted by aliens and if he spent time <laughs> on this other planet. Right. I wanted that to be It was a fascinating story. But either way, it was fascinating because he believes he was. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so kind of which uh, reality or which storyline should we kind of just kind of briefly cover first? I feel like maybe we should talk about the war in Dresden first. That's kind of where we start him off a little bit. Yeah, that's where we find him. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, he just got, you know drafted there and he, wasn't he supposed to be a chaplain's like assistant mm-hmm. um and he got i think sent to dresden and he didn't even have like any of his uniform he didn't have like anything he, he went home to his dad's funeral, funeral. that's mm-hmm. right thank and you. then something happened when he came back like he wasn't even he didn't even like fully make it back i think like he was not to his battalion or something yeah, yeah. and then something happened and i don't remember what he but. somehow got like just picked up basically and, and brought there in mm-hmm. his street clothes with no other clothing so like he's here fighting a war now with like he doesn't even have a gun loafers mm-hmm. no guns mm-hmm. like Nothing. a button-down shirt you know what i mean clearly like not prepared attire and he doesn't even know and i think when he gets to he's not actually in dresden where he gets to um part in germany like it's all blown up right well he gets captured as a pow first and taken to dresden but I thought it was before he got, like, when he ran into the Three Musketeers. I thought, like, he and got to wherever he was, was supposed like to battle. meet. And it was, like, yeah. it had been blown up, and that's how he ran into, um, whatever, guys, Ronald. I keep forgetting his name. It's I don't remember. Roland. Roland. It's so weird. Roland and the other guys okay. is where they, they end up meeting him, and he gets, like, drug along. And that's, like, a yeah. whole adventure in itself, because, like, Billy's in a really weird state anyway. Like, he's cold. He's not properly, you know prepared for any of this and he's just kind of like just leave me and they're like we're gonna save you son and he's well, just, just like, that one guy the one guy the, the other Rangers. guys are like let's just leave him yeah. <laughs> and so they like he keeps trying to escape and then he gets like delirious from like hypothermia and all of this yeah. and that's a whole <laughs> issue and he like loses the bottom of his shoe so he's just like unevenly walking and making these like yeah. ridiculous noises like, it's just like you he becomes the character like you feel bad for because like in this story, he's the person that no one likes because he's yeah. always that weird, yeah. obnoxious guy getting people into trouble. Even though he's just trying to mind his own business, he just drugs yeah. into stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then he becomes a prisoner of war, and uh, and then what what ends up happening? Just to kind of like, I mean, there's a lot that happens when you're prisoner of war. Yes. Like they're starving, they're cold. That's when they're I believe a- he becomes unstuck in time. Where you say? Well, I was just gonna say that. They were in a train for like two days before it even moved, and yeah. they had to stand up, and yeah. they wouldn't let him lay down because he kicked in his sleep, so he had yeah. to stand up the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he became unstuck um, before they fully got captured. They were like in the trench, and I think the guy was beating him up, mm-hmm. and then he became unstuck, and then yeah. he came back. Mm-hmm. That's why part of me is like, I mean, he probably had a head injury, but a whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely had PTSD. Yeah. Later, but then, but. <laughs> yeah, they were in the train, and then they end up in Dresden. This part I'm fuzzy on I'm after fuzzy the on train. Part too, but they get to Dresden, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. and the order basically comes in to destroy Dresden, mm-hmm. um, for the us, well, the states to destroy Dresden, right? Sure. And he and the other Americans get taken into the basement of a Is that where they the meet? Is that where they meet the? British officers? No, so actually I can say this. So at the train okay. station, they got brought to another, before Dresden. Thank you. Um, I can't remember the little part of it, but where it's, I can't remember the part of that. It's at. Anyway, in Germany. And so they pass like the Russians where they're captives and they, Americans, like there's like a hundred of them, all get brought to um, where the British are. And it's one of those things like Roland, like once again, he has like no, not Roland, but Billy has like no proper clothing. Roland, however, by the way, lost his boots and all of his nice things. Didn't and so he die in the he, train car? Uh, I think he did die, yeah. So and he had really nice uh, little, like, boots and everything. Like, he came prepared yeah. with, like, nice things. And when they got captured and became prisoner of war, um, the Germans, like, took his stuff and, like, made him wear these, like, wooden clogs. So he ended yeah. up getting gangrene yeah. and dying that way. Yeah. yeah. And it keeps blaming Billy for his death. And so his friend Paul Azaro 
he's like, avenge my death. So Paul's like, I'm going to avenge your death and kill Billy. Yeah. So this is like, Billy, once again, he can't catch a freaking break. Yeah. Um, anyway. Here again, Lazaro, they don't, I don't know if they say it, but he's probably an 18 year old kid. Yeah. yeah. He is. They're all like, yeah. and some of them they say even are even younger than mm-hmm. 18. Like yeah. they're like 15, 16, like they're children. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so anyway, so as they're there, the Germans are basically peeling off these frozen like coats and just handing them to people basically from all the bodies yeah. that are dead. I'm about that. And so, like, everyone's just getting some, like, stiff frozen coat with blood, brain matter, you name it, on it. Because someone died wearing this thing, probably in a firing squad. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Billy gets, like, the most ridiculous, like, full thing. It looks like a bat. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> so ridiculous. And everyone's making fun of him. So he's, like, now, like, can't even get a proper coat. Um, anyway, so then they all get brought to the British. And I guess the Germans love the British because they're so polite. Yeah. Which I guess they are. They've got their manners. And so they also. (laughs) And they're like fat cats sitting there. Well, they've been there for like five years, it says. And so these people are like apparently getting like parcels and stuff from their families. (laughs) So they're getting like like sweets, like molasses and all sorts of things. And so like the Germans like them because like they're basically trading with them. So it's like, okay, they're for whatever reason actually giving them their letters and shit from their family, which I guess that's something to say during wartime, not just confiscating that shit for themselves. Yeah. And so, like, they're, like, giving the British special treatment and trading for stuff. So the British are expecting, like, oh, yes, Americans are going to be, like, great. And they see this, like, pathetic squad of, like, children that yeah. look just a mess essentially come in, especially Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Billy, who no one likes. No one likes Billy, and they even do like a Cinderella play. Yeah, there's like a weird play where they yeah. have like they like painted like boots silver, I forgot all about this. and they have like curtains yeah. like they painted like. So it's just like a really interesting read because like at one point Billy starts like cracking up laughing, but he's hysterical yeah, because he hysterical. he's still super sick, and so they like just give him morphine and put him down to like go sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I should note before we leave this before they go to Dresden. So, like, Billy and, the, and Paul got into a fight with someone, so he got his arm broken. And then that teacher, they're all in the infirmary, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then everyone else has gotten cots and beds and stuff to go sleep. And so once they leave the infirmary, they don't have any of those. So they, like, sleep on the stage. And so they end up taking, oh. like, the the pink and blue blankets and stuff that were used for the set to mm-hmm. sleep with. Mm-hmm. So, so Billy, once again, ends up stealing the silver uh cinderella glass slipper boots because he has no shoes right i forgot about that yes and so he has no shoes so he used those shoes and he also has like i think it's a pink or blue gown that he like like a curtain to help his coat and he uses his little coat as a muff so he like shows up in dresden on a you know train looking like this hot mess <laughs> yes and so which the british are like they're they're like oh, we're so jealous, you're going to Dresden, it's beautiful, like, there's no war there, it's not touched by that, like, mm. you guys are so lucky, yeah. and they're like, sure, we're war criminals, okay, like, we're, we're prisoners of war, we're doing whatever they say to do. Yeah, they're prisoners of war, not war, war criminals. criminals. I know, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, that must be the Two line. Two different things. Very, very big I'm different changing things. the plot of this book. No, but anyway, so, um, they show up <laughs> a there. A group of war criminals. <laughs> and there's a hundred of them, so they show up to basically work um in dresden and i guess they like the germans send like eight soldiers like it's a really pathetic group to like man these hundred men and like Mm -hmm. one of them's a grandfather one's like a grandson like one guy's got a cane like it's a pretty pathetic bunch but then they see a lot of americans they're like wow all right we got this yeah especially (laughs) when they see him i guess a doctor goes by and he sees him and he basically speaks in english he's like do you not even take pride in yourself? Like, is this a joke? Like, you're supposed to make us laugh. Like, what's yeah, wrong with you? So, that's Billy's life in a nutshell. He's a laughing stock. Interesting, yeah. Interesting. Well, before in, the bomb, I guess. Before, before the bomb. bomb. So, yeah. So, anyway, so they're working at a molasses factory. Mm-hmm. And then um, that guy that was American who turned Nazi. Oh, I forgot about that. Forgot his name. He comes to basically recruit the Americans to be like, Mm -hmm. fight for the Germans. We're going to fight these Russians. You know, you might as well just do it now. You're going to eventually blah, 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 to recruit them. And then a war um, siren comes over. So they all go to the slaughterhouse. Which is in the basement. Underground basement. Yeah. Where the meat's cooled to, like, take shelter. And then that's when Dresden gets bombed. And um, they're like... 
mo- like I think only four of the soldiers stayed with them. The rest all went home to their families, and everyone else died. Yeah, and it ended up being like one hundred and thirty-five thousand people were killed in Dresden with that bombing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that is Dresden in a nutshell. So understandably, Billy and I'm sure the other characters as well have extreme survivor guilt. Absolutely. For what's happened, like they come out and they see that there's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left of all of Dresden. And they were just lucky enough to be in the slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so, um, for that reason. <laughs> I have a really stupid realization that I hope I realized at the time. Were there five survivors? I just was having the same thought, and I believe there were five okay. survivors. Okay. All right. There were slaughterhouse five. <laughs> we're so smart. <laughs> we're geniuses. Yeah, to be very clear, we're all nervous to do this podcast because we don't feel like we're smart enough to talk about this. Book. I know. No, like. But- we have been watching and reading other, like, articles Books. and podcasts and, yeah. like, little YouTube videos breaking down this book to try and sound somewhat intelligent while discussing yeah. it. Because um, it's a bit out of our league when it comes to breaking down the psychology yeah. and, apparently, I mean, math. We're smart. Yeah. Well, we read books. We think, all have college degrees. Yeah. Using two masters. I do, I do we think, can figure it out. I, <laughs> I do think there were five. It's intimidating. But, but also, the, uh, that was their address in Dresden. So, like, when they got there, oh, they were, like, what, the yes. Germans were, like, this is your address. And it was, like, Slaughterhouse, boom. Oh, and so they had to remember right, that. Right. And so, like, that was where they were to re- report, where they were to return. That's yeah, where they Joe. were. Punch and holes So it's, like, a, I think five people ah. did survive. Well, if there or, were four guards that well, survived. There were more, like, there were people in the bunker. There was more than five oh, that survived okay. it. Okay. Okay. So I thought you meant, like. Hopefully more than five. I just meant, like, of them. Oh, like, there was more. Yeah, dead. there was quite a few in the bunker. That survived, and then later they like pillaged a, a neighboring town that hadn't gotten hit That's right. and stuff like that before they got captured again, and then they got sent um, off and gotcha. did the whole thing. They got to go home. But one thing that oh, was gosh. interesting with the Kurt Vonnegut, <laughs> since he was in Dresden, I guess um, there wasn't a lot. Like it was a kind of a confidential mission, and so historically there wasn't a lot um, written about Dresden, and so him yeah. writing even about this. Like, he didn't even know a lot of it because yeah. it was just so under wraps. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he was trying to, like, you know, figure out what really did happen there. You know, this is what I remember. It's weird they did a publicized murdering, like, a hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it was well, just bombing them. It was more than Hiroshima. I was going to say, uh, yeah. he was, like, mentions that in yeah. the prologue that, that it was worse than Hiroshima. I didn't know that. Yeah. And there was another um, big one he mentioned, too, that was, like, 74,000. So it was bigger than... That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not... The British It's not bomb. surprising that they... Didn't Try want to, to hide publicize it. that. Yeah. And it was mostly it, civilians. Because it was mostly civilians. They bombed the town. Yeah. It wasn't that they just bombed, like, an army camp. Right. No. Like, they bombed an actual town. Well, and then yeah. later, too, like, when they were escaping, they, like, he referenced it like the moon, which that was interesting, just the way they were having to climb over stuff mm. to get yeah. to the neighboring village. And um, there were Americans in planes shooting at them as, like, the people surviving. Like, they had no clue that it was their fellow yeah. men. But yeah, they but they're just shooting, them. you know, yeah. and they got some. They got, they yeah. got the people down by the river, you know, so it so goes. It yeah. And so it was definitely an interesting... So it was a traumatic experience, obviously, for so anyone really there. And it was a traumatic experience for Billy Pilgrim, our character in this book. Well, one last thing about this. No way. There's more to it, um, I'm sure, than I'm going to say. But also, like, you would think they come out of it and then, poof, it's over. But they're still prisoners. Mm-hmm. And then the teacher who, um, right before the Dresden attack, he, like, took a stand against the Nazi guy. He did. As their leader, I think, and it was, I think I mentioned this earlier, it was, like, the one kind of heroic thing that happened, mm-hmm. and then he stole a teapot. Teapot's what got him killed. And then got shot. Yeah. Even though everyone else, like, pillaged, yeah. like, so many things, but that's, like, the thing that got him caught. Yeah. Um, and I should also mention that Billy found in his coat, um, he the- felt, like, some lumps. It was a two-carat diamond, which he later gave his wife, Valencia, and mm-hmm. a partial, um... Filling? Not a partial filling, but actual partial, like, mouth guard. Like a bridge? Bridge, oh, yeah. that's right. So that's what he was very happy when he found those. Yeah, he um, was very happy. Was so he got to keep those. So, yeah, well, yeah a lot of people notoriously. in the bridge. Yeah. Well, it was separate. It was two lumps, it said. Oh, I read okay. it today. Sure. But, yes. 
Either way, I read it today. <laughs> yeah, that was part of it. It got he so opened you're it up there, Alicia. <laughs> I read it today. We all read it in November. All right, you're the one that was behind. <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out what he if he kept the bridge because he mentioned like something about pearl, and I'm like, I don't think they used pearls like to create bridges back then. But they it was the way it was referenced. I was like, maybe he used that too. I don't really know. I don't know. But yeah, so a lot of people pillage stuff. So the fact that that teacher who was already like late in his life, like in his 40s. To mm-hmm. To be mm-hmm, in yeah. his position, like rank wise, mm-hmm. to get killed. I don't know, oh, and I don't hot. know if that communist like, dude. Made it all the I don't think through. the communist dude got killed either, though. I don't know. It mm-hmm. didn't say the Nazi, the American yeah. Nazi. It never said they if he got killed him. in Dresden. Yeah, maybe they don't know. Maybe they don't. Doesn't, they might not matter because he's dead now anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah, true story. And simultaneously alive. Because it's all Chalf Midorians. Chalf Midorians. They know what's up. Fourth dimension of time, it's all at once. Yes. Um, And the whole so it goes things is from the Chalf Midors, right? Yes. Isn't that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the Chalf Midorians now. Oh, you girl. Yeah. That's that's your favorite. It's my favorite. It It was fun. (laughs) So much more fun than war. Absolutely. (laughs) Aliens. They're more fun than war. Yeah. Even probably more. I don't know. Maybe the party. So Maybe. basically, he gets captured. I don't really remember how he gets captured or why. This part he gets I read. Captured. All right, tell me. So he, <laughs> it was the night of his daughter's wedding. He mm-hmm. couldn't sleep. That's right. He went downstairs yes. to watch a movie about war. I thought I did think this was interesting because he watched it forward and backwards because mm-hmm. of his time powers, whatever. Right. <laughs> um, and then anyway, he's like, and then I knew it was time to go outside and get abducted mm-hmm. because I knew this would happen. And he got, like, stuck in a tractor beam. Mm-hmm. And, like, once he touched the stairs, it electrified him into place and it sucked him up. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then they were like, uh, what's his name? Billy Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Billy Pilgrim, do you have any questions? And he's like, why me? And then they kind of laughed at him. I was like, that's a <laughs> dumbass question. Right. That's such a people question. It is. It's like a person. Like, that's definitely an earthling question yeah and like the top midorians they're they're described very interesting they're not described like regular aliens they're described as looking like a toilet plunger <laughs> and they're green <laughs> and that's very strange yeah it's a very strange setup mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but um but yeah they they explain to him basically the workings of the universe that he cannot conceive as a human they're like you can't understand it because you're human so we'll try and explain it to you but you'll never be able to really understand it because you're human <laughs> yeah and mm-hmm. so they're like, you've become unstuck in time, and, you know, you can, whatever, you can figure out stuff. They give them a book, because they only have one Earthling book. Um, they only have, and I hope it's in English, I don't know. But he reads <laughs> it, and he's like, I want more books. So the Trough Midorians give them their books, but he can't read Trough Midorian. And also, they're all just, like, little, like, shapes, like stars and arrows, and it's all just pictures to him. Um, and they explain, he's like, how do you read it? Like, front to back or whatever. And they're like, all at once. <laughs> yeah. We read it all at once. You just look at it and you've read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they process so much differently than human. Mm-hmm. And so, but he still tries to figure it out. And so, give it to him for that. And then he <laughs> goes to, like, the zoo, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets given a wife who is a star. What's her name again? Sorry. Montana. Uh, Wild Wild Hack. Wild Hack. And he recognizes her, doesn't he? She was an actress. So. Yeah, she's yeah. like a, a kind of like a dirty actress. Like yeah, like I think she took some photos. There's like a scandalous photo of her yeah. earlier in Dresden and later too, and later in a bookshop. Yeah. And yes. um, and so he like recognizes her, and then they have to basically be married, quote unquote. And then she falls in love with him, which that's my favorite part yeah. of the story. Like, he's like, not known for being attractive either. Like, he's just a no. weird-looking dude. Like, we already <laughs> experienced most of, like, a lot of dressing. We get a real sense of who Billy is at this point. Yeah. And then he has, like, this, like... like wet toast. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, wet. He's, like, a wet blanket. That's wet. amazing. So... And he's, like, 45 at this point? Yeah, because his daughter's getting married. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. And so, and he's, like, married to Val. And he didn't even like Val. We'll no. talk about Val. We'll come yeah. back to Val. We love Val, but he didn't. He really. didn't. <laughs> we don't know why. Circle back to that. Um, and so yeah, so he, so she's like in love with him, and they have like a child together. Yeah. And then she like doesn't want him to go, and he's like, I've got to go back, you know. And even when he's with the Twelve Mandorians, he's unstuck in time, so he's like moving around. So yeah. you know, it's not like he's homesick, I guess. But he yeah. comes and goes. Yeah. yeah. But he eventually is like, gotta go. And I don't remember how he gets back, honestly. 
I don't know how he gets back. I feel like they like let him go. I feel like they yeah. just kind of let him go. I feel because like, like you've done your time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because like, well, so one thing I think it's interesting. I thought one reason they had both of them because they found Earthlings so interesting is because you know there's male watch. and female essentially. Yeah. Whereas with Trapadorians, there's five sexes. Yeah. Yes, there are five sexes. That's right. I forgot about that. Which I, think, I can't remember what they all are now, but I think some of them were distinguished by like this person can procreate, this person can't. You know what I mean? Different things like that. But it was an interesting concept. So they were like. And it was like you somehow knew. I just imagine like puzzle pieces. Yeah. yeah. It was it was weird. And the, you could tell by looking at them supposedly. And they all looked the same to Billy. We could tell like, oh, no, that's a, that's a blah, blah, blah. And that's a blah, blah, blah. And it was like, okay, sure. Well, whatever like you say. Plunges to me. I don't know what to <laughs> One of five sexes, but whatever you say. So it was like interesting there too. Um, but yeah, I think he just got released. But, you know, whereas Montana – they had a kid, so now they're watching her, like, breastfeed this child, yeah. like, in raising the child, whereas Billy's, like, off the hook in a way, because, like, he did his job. Yeah. Now she's, like, a new level of entertainment. <laughs> You've like, served your purpose. How you do you raise go. a child? All right. <laughs> you know? It was weird, but it was great at the same time. But, yeah, so he eventually just, like, gets back to Earth. Uh, but because he's on second time, and he now understands some of the four dimensions like he's seen everything like he's seen his own birth he's seen his own death several times he's seen his whole life Mm -hmm. kind of laid out before him and so he under he understands and his understanding from the Tropomedorians that he has no free will and I think that's kind of not that I believe in that necessarily but I think although I do believe time all occurs at once because of Einstein but um (laughs) yes um it's one of my favorite things from this book is kind of and like that's why I don't necessarily feel like we need to talk that in depth about every experience, although the experiences matter, Mm -hmm. because I think part of the whole theme of like, so it goes, or like all these people's stories is that the why doesn't matter Mm -hmm. necessarily. Like it doesn't matter why he has silver shoes and why he has a woman's coat and why he doesn't have a gun because none of that really matters. In the end, he gets captured and sent to a POW camp. Right. And he didn't get captured because he had on silver shoes and a ridiculous coat. Right. Like, that's not what mattered. You know what I mean? And yeah. so you like you focus on all these other storylines and the play and, you know, on the Montana, you know, <laughs> the actress or whatever. But really, like, that's not, you know, it's like him asking them, why me? They're like, that's not what matters. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> why can't you understand that? They explained it as, like, a bug in amber. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everyone's yes. a fly in amber. Yeah. Or in amber or whatever. Yeah. I can't expound on that more because my I get it, but I can't explain it. Yeah. Like, we experience time. time linearly, but theoretically it's its own dimension where everything is occurring at once, like, yeah. at the epicenter of a yes. black hole. Mm-hmm. The event horizon. So, <laughs> and so I really, really like that uh, for, like, that aspect of the story uh, because I'm a nerd. Um, but also it led to, like, some really beautiful lines that I'm not going to try and find as someone else covers a different part of his well, life. Well, so while you're finding that, I'll just talk about – Yes. Can we just talk about Valencia. the writing? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. the there were so many times, like, they were laughing at me because I have the book. And I, like, this is the first time I've actually read a book for this. <laughs> um, I usually do Audible. And I always write in the margins because I make notes. And there were so many things I circled. Like, oh, my God, I love that. Like, um, when he, after his daughter's wedding, before he got abducted, he went downstairs and there was a bottle of champagne. And he went to pop the cork. And the champagne didn't fizz. It had died. And Mm. so it goes. Like, Mm -hmm. it just, little things like that crack me up because he just has a way of inserting things that kind of catch you off guard. Mm -hmm. And they're just written so well. Yes. So I found, okay, the two that I saved for this. Yes. Okay. So one is, all moments, past, present, and future, always have existed, always will exist. It's just an illusion we have here on Earth that one moment falls another like beads on a string. And that once a moment is gone, it is gone forever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's amazing. Like, that's yeah. the illusion. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I love is, and I asked myself about the present, how wide it was, how deep it was, how much was mine to keep. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. There's so many good lines in this. There really are. And so the book itself is like, besides the actual story, like, the writing is beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think agree. that's why we all enjoyed it so much. Um, because one, the story is also good. Yeah. It's very fun read. It's a very interesting read. I've never read a book like this for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just also amazing at writing. <laughs> he re- obviously he was, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, and yeah, 
And like even that you said he was, and I'm like he is because all time happens at once. True, <laughs> he is. <laughs> just ask the trial for Dorians. Yeah. Um, and so, um, does someone want to talk about Val and his marriage? Sure, go for it. Um, uh, so Valencia um, was actually so after Billy gets back from the war, he before he was at the war, he started optometry school. And then when he returned from the war, he actually committed himself to a psychiatric ward for a brief moment because he was, like, losing his shit. Mm-hmm. And we can come back to that in a minute, but we'll go back to Val. So anyway, so after he left that part, um, he finished his optometry school, but the main guy of the optometry um, school slash where he ended up working was Val's father. And Valencia was very sweet. Um, she was not a beautiful woman, if you will say. I he guess, straight like, up called her fat. He, he called her yeah. fat. To she be liked fair, to eat he her like her fat a yeah. lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He, she was a fat woman. Yeah. She ate a lot of candy bars. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, her father was very wealthy, so mm-hmm. it was kind of an advantageous marriage. Yeah, he um, still didn't want to be with her. No, he didn't like, love her, but I also don't know who he ever would have been with. Like just the way his story was told, mm-hmm. he wasn't really the catch. You know what I mean? Like, he's someone that I think, like, he may have seen, like, a Montana, like, a beautiful woman, and she'd been like, no, yeah. thank you, crazy. But then when he has Montana, he leaves her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I think he just knew, like, that's not his life now. Yeah. Like, even though, well, like, he didn't love Val, but he married her, and I know, when he proposed her, was at the psychiatric ward. <laughs> and he and was he's like, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Why did I do it? I yeah. didn't want to marry her. She has my ring. Yeah, <laughs> like that's. But I was he, trying to find it, but that's basically. That's how it basically was. what it was. But then he went through with it, and like whatever. Oh, what Good. a lad! What a yeah. lad! Yeah. Uh, but you know he ended up inheriting a, a good job and a business and became very rich from it because of this. And Val was a very sweet woman. He did cheat on Val once at a party with, yeah. you know, an optometry party. She he was very. Much he didn't even know her name. He didn't even know her name. Um, but besides that, like he, I guess. And she, I felt bad for Val because I mean she knew because she was obese, like I guess at that time. We don't time. know that she's obese. He's according to him, according He's to him. <laughs> but like she was like, I never thought I would like. Uh, I thought I'd always be alone. So it's like clearly her self esteem was a little low. And yeah. He, but like he never was mean to her, which I at least appreciated. Like, I don't know. Not that it makes it right that he married someone he didn't love, but like at least yeah. he was kind to her. He didn't treat her poorly. No. Um, emotionally, at least. Like, yes. You know? but Cheating was not great. Val was great. I think mm-hmm. everyone probably that reads this book will agree that Val was yes. great. She yeah. was a champ for being with him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a mess. He's a fucking mess. Yeah. But I don't think she ever really knew him. Like, I, I think I he think kept a lot of that. everything under wraps. You know what I mean? Like, he never really, like, he acted normal. He did the thing, got married, worked as an optometrist, had you know a couple children with her like did the thing and then finally like later kind of snapped a little bit more but like he never ex- like spoke about his time in, in the war too much like he briefly brought it when she asked but i don't think she started asking after that and like so i don't think people knew and he definitely didn't mention the whole uh truffle truffle more how is it truffle Midor. Chalfmador. Chalfmador. Yeah. And Chalfmadorians. And Chalfmadorians. Yeah. He never brought that up. So it's like, I don't think they truly knew him, him. And like, they never saw him the way he saw himself. Like, he, he's described as this pathetic guy that everyone hates. Yeah. But like, in the optometry world and stuff, he's like this normal, successful dude. He got married. Yeah. So it's like, a, it's like night and day. So it's like, they never saw him for what he was in war, or at least how he painted himself in the story. Yeah. But also, we never really saw him in war either. We just no. saw, like, him dealing with various things occurring to him, true. too. True. Very true. And then other people's perceptions of how that made him. Yes. True. You Which know. were quite unfair, I'm sure. A lot of them were unfair. Yeah. <laughs> These are the only shoes I have. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Do you have no pride? I want to have feet. Like, yeah. at one point, I remember <laughs> later on, when he was still wearing that ridiculous getup, someone's like... Why are you wearing these? Like I'm cold, and they're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> you know? people are freezing to death. No, I'm freezing cold. to death. I'm cold. I will wear whatever I have to wear to not die. You know, this is Germany in the winter time. I yes. am cold. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but like the end of kind of Val's story, unfortunately. Oh, that was sad. It's sad. Um, Billy gets in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the only survivor yet again, except for yeah. the co-pilot. The co-pilot survived. Oh, I did I not think about that. that. Yep, the co-pilot survived. Oh, okay. I thought he was the only survivor. I think at one point it said that, but then it said the co-pilot survived when um, the 
skiers found them and took them down to Pagan and everything. Oh, good. All right. Well, good. Cool. So, oh, well, well, she died. The only survivor. She died. Oh, in a her separate. Father, her father in actually separate. was, or, yeah, his father-in-law was on the plane with him. There's a whole right. optometry plane full of men. And she died separately elsewhere. Yes. Trying to get I to the totally hospital. totally forgot about carbon yeah. monoxide poisoning. She was so she distraught because she loved Billy so much. That makes it even worse. She I got totally in a car crash and then drove to the hospital and died of carbon monoxide poisoning in the parking lot. Yeah. Jeez. Poor Val. Like, she loved him so much. <laughs> the way you said that sounds so sarcastic. Poor Val. <laughs> no, no, I just felt so bad for her. Yeah. I'm like, he doesn't love you, but you're like, oh. I don't know. But Can, yeah. Can I read something that I just thought might maybe pertain to Val? Sure. Like maybe why he pushes himself away from people in general. So this is about his mom. So this is back when he was in the facility after the war. Mm -hmm. And he hates when she comes. Mm -hmm. He like pretends to be sick. And I really like this line. Sorry, I, I feel like I have wine like coming out of my mouth. Like I feel like I'm like drooling. Like blah, blah, blah. So if it sounds weird, I'm sorry. She upset Billy simply by being his mother. She made him feel embarrassed and ungrateful and weak because she had done so much trouble, sorry, gone through so much trouble to give him life and to keep that life going. And Billy just didn't really like life at all. So it's kind of like maybe that's why he pushes people away. Like specifically in this, it's because, yeah, you're my mom, but you forced me into this shit <laughs> like yeah. mm-hmm. I don't want to be here and you make me be here um so I don't know I wonder if we can relate that a little bit to her too like he cuts himself off from relationships maybe maybe with I women. don't know with women in general sure yeah. that might not be but I I liked that line and I thought maybe it could relate but I think it does I well I mean I think maybe he was afraid of being loved by too much you know what I mean like yeah her being in love with him, like him allowing himself to feel that would make him vulnerable True. and acknowledge mm-hmm. those feelings and mm-hmm. that fear of losing himself like he felt like when he lost his mom, kind of like war with his mom. Yeah. And yeah. same thing when he's later crazy, which we can come to later, his daughter Barbara yes. assumes the role of like caregiver. Is he crazy? Is he crazy? <laughs> <laughs> because like, and she, he makes a comment about how she is yeah. like her mother. <laughs> yeah. And how like she's on her pedestal now and how she feels so proud because she's oh, like wow. she's taking over everything but it's yeah. like yeah man like you're crazy you were in the hospital and she's like taking like care of the business like she's doing she's adulting essentially yeah and she's, she's making like 21 sure, yeah she's making yeah. sure things don't crash and burn yeah she's, she's married she's married yeah but she got well she got married at 21 okay so she's like 22 or 23 because it's not a yeah. long time right yeah no, it's not very long she's early 20s yeah so yeah. she's still quite young yeah but yeah so it's just one of those things like i felt bad for her because i'm like and all the things i'm like your mom dad your dad was like in a coma for a while kind of thing like yeah. you're trying to do all the things and your dad's being like ungrateful and he pushes robert away so robert the only time yes. robert's really in this entire story is son <laughs> it's he, he's a green beret. He just mentions him as a green beret, and it seems like he's just in the background. Yeah, he does mention him a couple, like three times, I think. Yeah, yeah. very, That's very not briefly. A lot for this whole totally thing. forgot about. Very him. briefly, yeah. And so I feel like he comes back after the crash, and then from Vietnam, from, from Nam, and then it's like he's like, go away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he notices his son's like in his uniform with a purple heart, bronze heart, silver heart, like all on his lapel, and he's like looks at him and just like shuts his eyes and he's just like bye. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's Robert's portion of the story. He did yeah. mention at one point later after that that like Robert had been like a real troublemaker, like had was like an alcoholic by like sixteen and like pushed over all those things. Like he like acted like real crazy, and then like once he joined. Yeah, military like that's when he like became like straight and narrow like got his life together mm-hmm. um so it's like the only other like real story yeah about him you really hear he had the opposite experience yeah <laughs> he thrived where his dad did not yeah no <laughs> and so um it's interesting so really the story of linearly at least of his life after the trough Midorians, after the plane crash after val's death is when it's kind of him being old and crazy and or, he's like 46 yeah yeah he's not actually old. <laughs> no not uh, but, you know and his daughter like alicia mentioned is like having to like step in um and this is i really like this part of the story like <laughs> like he he basically has nothing to lose at this point yeah like he feels like, like he understands it. the future 
He feels like he's seen his own future. He thinks he's helping by telling people. Yes. He wants to bring people the truth of the Trophmodorians and the truth about life. You know, they don't, he sees people, they don't understand life. They don't under, they stress about decisions when really they have no free will, you know, and he wants to kind of like save them from that. And so he, my favorite is kind of when he like breaks out and like runs off to New York, like he's supposed to be at home or in a facility or wherever he's supposed to be and he like escapes and goes and does like a radio show in New York City Yep. and his daughter is so mad she's embarrassed she's mortified her dad is on the radio talking about being abducted by aliens and then what he learned from the aliens and that they look like green toilet plungers like (laughs) (laughs) like, she is horrified she thinks he's lost his mind you know she thinks you know this whole unstuck in time thing is crazy you know and so she obviously is not going to come to any understanding and so Mm -hmm. that's why she feels like she needs to kind of like take over his affairs and his business because he's no longer a sound mind yeah and that's kind of like where we leave it i do want to say something in regards to the Trothmodorians. Yeah. So um, we didn't really touch base on it too much, but when he was in the psychiatric hospital, his neighbor, or roommate, if you will, was a big reader. And he kept reading all these science Mm -hmm. fiction books by, um, oh, Robert Kilgore. Mm -hmm. Or no, sorry, Kilgore Trout Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. his name. Yes. Anyway, and so at one point, Billy ends up starts reading them because he's like, what are you reading? And he's just like, these really weird, they're crazy, man. He's like super random. So he starts reading them and he becomes obsessed with this like, Turns out to be, like, local author that, like, no oh, one, yeah. that he yeah. lives he, like, in the same him? town as him. He does yeah. meet him on a paper route. It's a whole thing. Anyway, and when he's later on in a, um, oh, he's bookstore. in, like, a seedy bookstore in New York, mm-hmm. he comes across a few more of his novels, and one of them is actually about a man that gets abducted and taken to an alien zoo to be observed. <laughs> so basically paralyzed that. with the Trothmodorians. Yeah. So it's interesting you know, was he envisioning himself in these stories? Like, was that playing part yeah. of the psyche role? Or maybe Robert Kogor had just a really insightful mind and knew about it. But it was, like, when he read that passage, it was, like, just so linear to what he had been describing earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, that's interesting. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I found that fascinating, reading that part of it. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, so we mentioned earlier um, – Laredo, Lorenzo, the kid that said I was going to kill you. Before Lazaro. Lazaro. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about the comic book that Alicia just referenced. So. Yes. Okay. Um, from Kilgrove? Kilgrave? Oh, Kilgore. Kilgore. I was like, Kilgrave's the Kilgore bad guy. Kilgore Trout. Trout. <laughs> yeah. Kilgore so, Trout. So, yeah, Mr. Trout. So, that's kind of like where we leave the Trout Midorian story. We don't ever know if yeah. Billy actually went to was abducted to right. the alien zoo. Yeah. Or if he just imagined that. that he was because he'd read the sci-fi novel or mm-hmm. comic book while he was simultaneously in a psychiatric ward. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he imagined himself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like, is was it real? It seems unlikely because it's an alien abduction. Yeah. Or is this all in his mind? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's all I wanted to say. And we yeah. never find out. We no. don't know. You and don't. I don't want to know. No. No, I don't, I don't either. Know. No, because one minute I'm like... Well, maybe it really did happen in the story. But again, it's a story. It's an allegory. Yeah. Yes. Is that the right term? It's, I don't know if that's the right term because there's more to it than that. But mm. it's not supposed to be literal. No. 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 Exactly. And I like that. I do too. Alliteration? Sure. I don't know what word. I have a minor in English from <laughs> Purdue. <laughs> I should know this stuff. Sure. I, first I, I thought probably you were looking should. for anthology, but that's not correct. I don't. <laughs> I know that's not correct. That's not correct. <laughs> So, sorry. Anyway. Back to Lazaro. Oh, I Paul just, Lazaro. I thought you were about to say that's the end. So no, I was no, like, no, wait, no. there's one more thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we said Lazaro, who, again, was a, a stupid kid mm-hmm. who, for some reason, took up, uh, I don't want to call him who. Roland. The, Roland? Okay. Weary. Weary. There we go. His vent life vengeance against Billy Pilgrim. <laughs> and then he said, just you wait, I'll kill you one of these days. And he's like, Sure. Okay, and then we'll forget that for a second. How does he end up? Because he's like giving some talk. That's he's, how he thinks. He's that's going how he to thinks die. he's going to die. When he sees the future, he gets right. assassinated. So he while sees he's that, but that's actually like the end is him at the speech, right? Isn't that no? no. The end is him as 
in back at Dresden. Oh, Dresden. okay. I thought it was actually him at this beach, and then it went back to him at Dresden. I don't remember. No. It's been I six think, months. I think we are. Yeah, I think we are at this beach, um, and then it goes to them stepping out of the slaughterhouse, and all you can hear is the birds. Pooty tweet. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's basically so it goes. That's basically it. So it goes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, he in the future he saw. Um, him giving a speech and everyone's listening to what he's saying about the Trapadorians and it's very futuristic like they have laser guns now yeah and he's <laughs> like to assassinate him. he's like yeah. I'm gonna be assassinated now by that guy Paul and they're like we'll stay with you he's like no live your life and as he's like walking away Paul like an elderly Paul Lazaro is there yeah. and like gets in between the eyes with like a laser gun and so it goes you know yeah. so that's how he envisions himself at least that's right. Susie is flipping through the book right now to make sure we're not missing anything. I yeah. am. I'm just, I'm trying to remember, like, how we get to the end, but, what you know, whatever. It's it's all the same things we've talked about, just jumbled up. Yeah. And then <laughs> it ends with, and he, he does well, say that in the prologue. He's like, this book ends with this, with the first line mm-hmm. of the first chapter, and it ends with a bird saying, pooty tweet, and that's how it ends. And I will say, in the speech at the baseball stadium, um, where he predicts his own death, um, he proclaims, um, if you think death is a terrible thing, then you have not understood a word I've said. So, yep. And then I found a picture of boobs. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Get the print version that of her boobs. There's a picture of boobs with a heart oh, necklace heart in between necklace. that says, oh, it's the AA prayer, which isn't, I mean, it's the grant me serenity prayer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is used for AA, not that he is an AA. But. Yeah, and that was Hannah Montana's boobs. Sorry, not Hannah Montana. Sure. Montana <laughs> Wild Hat. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking. Every time I heard Montana, I was like, Hannah what? Montana. What name is Montana? Montana Wild Hat. It's hilarious. Yes. But I kept thinking oh that. I was God. like, this is because, like, you know, it's a celebrity. That's what I thought. I wasn't going to laugh really loud during this podcast. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> one more thing that doesn't really fit in with anything. Okay. He mentions this early on it probably comes several times and here again i see he mentions it again they're playing with the clocks again mm-hmm. like before he even goes to Tralf Mador, before the time thing even happens he's mm-hmm. like someone's messing with the clocks time like boom it's a year later boom it's now you know like he brings that up several times before he even like slips out of time for real mm-hmm. so I mean, there again, it's like, I mean, you're clearly crazy. But then it's like, but. <laughs> but okay. is he? Yeah. But is he? Yeah. Or is this just how yeah. he experienced life? Cause, because he became less stuck in time. So I found a couple of Valencia lines that I'll read oh, and then okay. we can go. Okay. So first off, I underlined this. She was as big as a house because she wouldn't <laughs> stop eating. She was eating now. She was eating a Three Musketeers candy bar. <laughs> and then this one. Billy didn't want to marry ugly Valencia. She was one of the symptoms of his disease. He knew he was going crazy when he heard himself proposing marriage to her, when he begged her to take the diamond ring and be his companion in life. I put a sad face. I was going to say, I love that you wrote a sad face there. (laughs) Ugly Valencia. Anyway. We love you, Valencia. Yeah. We love you. Everyone loves you. Yes. Except for Billy. Yeah. So, at least anyway. you, you didn't know that at least. And <laughs> as confusing as this podcast may have sounded to you in the last hour, hour and three minutes <laughs> or so, just know that the book, if you haven't read it, I hope you've read it, but yeah. if you haven't read it, it's fantastic. Yeah. And even though it's very confusing and we have a lot of questions, it's really good. Yeah. It's really a great read. It's worth and reading. I, I don't know. Like, it's confusing. I get, but I wasn't confused. No, I don't know no. how to say that. Does Yeah. Does that make sense? It's puzzling. Yeah. Because if things confuse me, usually I get upset. Mm-hmm. But I was not at all upset at any point in this book. No. What I felt like, too, like, you felt like you knew, even if you didn't officially, officially knew what happened to Billy, like, you assumed you knew what happened to Billy. Billy mm-hmm. predicted his own fate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether it was real, whether it wasn't, it didn't matter. Yeah. We'll have it in between there and that, like, yeah, it was irrelevant. Yeah, and I think this is a really good gateway to quote unquote classic fiction. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not classical because that's like Greek stuff. But <laughs> like, if you want to feel real smart and stuff and read well and or good, I was trying to do the bad read thing. Good. Read real good. <laughs> this is a good entry point, I think. Yes. Oh, and I think we're gonna do that this year. Um, mm-hmm. Read like a classic novel. Yeah, awesome. Yes, like, we talked we really about it. Too. Jane Austen or something. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, something like that. Um, we've all seen Little Women. We should have talked about this. Oh yeah, so I good. went with Alicia, and then I went with Susie, mm-hmm. and and afterwards, Susie and I had a big discussion about reading like 
classics and at least one, preferably more than one, this year okay. in our podcast. Yeah. Um, preferably one we've never read before. Yeah. Um, and or at least not that we've all read and just kind of get through it. And because we really love it and we love the style of writing. And mm-hmm. instead I was like, let's read Crescent City in <laughs> <laughs> YA. But um uh, but we are going to do that this year, so we're excited to do that. We just haven't yeah. picked one yet. And also, Little Woman was really good. So yes. Oh, so good. See it if you haven't. It's it's wonderful. Yes. So, but yeah, so what would we rate this bad boy as? Uh, is it out of five or ten? Five. five. I'm going to give it a five. Really? Yeah. I was going to do four. I like it, and I feel smarter for reading it. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to give it a four and a half. Just because I feel like I need a ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give things the top. But it makes me feel like I did something good for my brain. Yes. Yes. And I enjoyed it. Like, I didn't eat, like, a bowl of whole wheat, which I don't even know if that's good for you anymore. But, you know. (laughs) Fiber. Jury's out. Like, with no sugar. Um, So I would say fiber's good. Um, and I would give this book a 4.5. I would also give this book a 4.5. And I do agree. I'm excited to read um, some more classics. Like, I have some on my bookshelf that I've tried to read on the side, but I don't have two book clubs. Like, I read Uh uh, Treasure Island was one of them. I know I listed a few to you when we talked the other day, Ashley. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, we should definitely find it after Crescent City. Um, Maybe pick one of those kind of books for our next one. Kind of mix it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. Me too. You guys know I am. Well, I'm excited. So join us next time when we read Crescent City and discuss it. Yay! Sounds great. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Bye.